Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is proudly sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes the best acrylic paints, mediums, and gesso in the business. They also make core watercolors and Williamsburg oil paints. Based in New Berlin in upstate New York, they're an employee-owned company dedicated to making the best supplies for you to make your best work. Check out their products in just about any art store or at goldenpaints.com. Corydon Cowansage is a painter who lives and works in New York. She received an MFA in painting from RISD and a BA in art from Vassar College. She's had solo shows at 17 Essex in New York, Reynolds Gallery in Richmond, and Koki Arts in Tokyo, and a two-person show at Delhi Projects in Basel, Switzerland. Her work has been included in group shows at Skylab, 17 Essex, Ortega y Gasset Projects, and the Bronx Museum of the Arts, amongst others. She also co-runs an online gallery called Drawer. I talked to Corydon about coffee, twinning, moving on from a brutal critique, scale, her painting progression, and much more. Here's our conversation. I admire your size of coffee choice. Oh, thank you. Yes, I I drink a lot of coffee. (laughs) I'm a huge coffee person. Yes, I I drink a disgusting amount of coffee. That's impossible. (laughs) That adjective doesn't... (laughs) Um, When did you start drinking coffee? Uh, I was actually thinking about this recently. I started drinking coffee in high school... And I drank so much coffee in high school. I'm shocked that my parents let that happen. But yeah, I would I would drink like many cups. So I think that's when I started too. I don't have like that firm memory of it, when exactly it, it was hit. Earlier it was, than it should have been. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I didn't, we didn't need it then. No. Well, I I I was like really into doing homework in high school, so I didn't get oh, yeah. enough sleep, but. Um, but yeah, I have been addicted for many, many, many years. I cannot, I can't function without it. I can't like, I can't have a conversation in the morning before I have coffee. Yeah. It's a drug. Yeah. No, it is. It legitimately is. (laughs) Sometimes if I, you know, I always get people when I'm drinking that 9 PM coffee and they're like, Whoa, you're drinking coffee this late. And I was like, yeah, I can fall asleep right after I drink this coffee. Literally does nothing. Does nothing for me. (laughs) And then, you know, I think to myself, maybe... Maybe it's not really working and it's just keeping me at status quo. But if I if I go without that last coffee, I get a rocking headache by the morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you're bu- it's I heard this thing on NPR. Everyone's always like recounting NPR and then we all have heard the same things. But right. about your body needing equilibrium. So the more coffee you drink, the more your body gets used to it. And then you mean that I guess that's how any addiction is. But yeah. Um, but yeah. So I basically drink coffee all day long. High school. <laughs> well, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Maryland, um, and I went to kind of like a competitive, like a competitive high school where all the kids were like overly concerned with doing homework and getting good grades, getting into college, getting into college, hence the homework yes. and the late nights with yes. coffee. It was actually early mornings. I would like go to bed early and then get up at like five o'clock in the morning to study. See, that's smart though, because you're, you're much more kind of mentally alert in the morning. Yeah, I'm, my brain works a lot better in the morning. At a, after about like 7 p.m., 
I'm like slowly shutting down. I thought you were going to say 7 a.m. No, no, no. I wake up at 6. After 7, <laughs> I start to go down. No, like early evening, I'm my ability to function like deteriorates. <laughs> deteriorates. So, yeah, by like 9 p.m., it's pretty much over. I just shut down. Yeah. Time yeah. yeah. I can down. like watch TV, but beyond that, it's not, not good. Yeah. I think about like I th- in college when I was getting into painting and stuff, I would stay up so late. Yeah. You know, we'd get the late start because mm-hmm. classes would start a little later, studio classes. And be in there until like two or three in the morning, sometimes just sleep there for a few hours and go to class. It's like a really bad way to be productive. Yeah. But I think it was the scene. It was like the energy was there at night. Yeah. I I remember I didn't go to art school, but um, when I was in college, like for my studio classes, I would sometimes like pull in all nighter. And I don't know. I don't know if I could do that now. <laughs> no, I definitely couldn't. Yeah. But it was like kind of fun in a weird way. Yeah. It was so, like camp. Yeah. And like now, other now people staying up late. No, now I'd be like miserable and so grumpy. But then it was like other people were staying up late and in the studio and working. Turn the music up. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, I don't know. Young people are crazy. <laughs> right. It's true. Well, it's the energy, right? Yeah. You got all that boundless energy. You got to get it out there. Yeah. Any way you possibly can. Totally. So this high school you went to, was it for prepping people to go to college for, you know, like good schools and... It was, yeah, it was just like a, it was a public school, but it was just, it's kind of like known for overachiever students. Um, And so kids were all obsessed with like taking AP classes and like, uh, like college preparation um, so it was a little bit intense. Uh, well, how'd that happen? Was it mom and dad's choice? Yeah, they, they, um, when they were figuring out where we would live, they like really wanted us to be in a good school district. Oh, and right. so they were like, oh, these are like the, the best schools in the area. So we have to figure out how to get you guys there. Thanks um, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was great in some ways, yeah. but like also terrible. I mean, it, Definitely, like, I learned how to have, like, a good work ethic from that experience. Yeah. Um, But I would never... Now I'm thinking about, like, when I have kids, I would not wish that upon them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to reinforce my kids to relax and have fun and, like, uh, you know, be be a kid. So, I don't know. Well, that's good. I'm sure you have that that struggle also yeah i mean good luck with with the internet and with information (laughs) always available and you know i feel like our parents oh i don't know if i can speak for your generation i mean my parents they did there wasn't that roadmap it was just like you just go to school you come home you play yeah you know what i mean there wasn't all this information like oh if you go to this school or if you do this course they didn't even know about ap court even though i took them yeah that was just the school that suggested that there wasn't like a roadmap because I think information, unless your parents were college students and knew that road, you just had to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, it's weird. My um, my parents they didn't they didn't push me at all, or like uh, they weren't like, oh, you need to take these classes or do these things. But I think it was all learned from the people around me. Like everyone else was thinking about those things, and the teachers were talking about it and thinking about it and the guidance counselors were like stressing you out so I think it was just learned from my surroundings my parents were not like they wanted us to do well but they weren't like uh 
pressuring us. They were they kind were of like doctor, lawyer, whatever, you know, that yeah, you have to do these yeah, successful. No, not at all. My, I mean, I had wanted to be in a, I had been into art since I was like a little kid and my parents are super supportive of that. And they kind of let us figure out our own interests and there was no, there was no like, uh, yeah, you have to do these certain things. And were you the youngest? You said us. Yes. So I have, I have an identical twin sister oh, wow. and I have an older sister who's three years older. Um, were you the second twin? Cause you know how people know that? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> we do not know. It was, a, it was a C-section. So it's oh, okay. a bit of a tie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but we are the youngest. So we have one older sister. Um, right. Yeah. So you're a twin. I am a twin. <laughs> we had, so my dad is a twin, but oh, fraternal. Wow. And then okay. my mom had twins before me that didn't make it. Oh, and no. my, so there's like this dominant twin gene going yeah. on in our family. But you don't have twins. No. No. Okay. You're, no. That's, you're, you're I think safe. that's the only reason I'm here right now. Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> Can you, I can't imagine. No, I can't imagine. Twins? No. In the city. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, you've seen those strollers, right? Yeah. What a nightmare. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you can't terrible. get in anywhere with a regular stroller. Imagine like a double width. Yeah. And like we, we were, we were crazy and we terrorized my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how they, how they made it through. <laughs> oh man. So is it, do you have that? I'm very interested in twins. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Cause it's like in my, you know, in the gene pool. Is it, is it how it seems where you have this connection and you know. What's your relationship like? With yeah. You? Is it, I, and is it very different from your other sibling? Um, I'm close with both my sisters. I think the twin relationship is like super strange. Mm-hmm. And like uh, there's probably not another sibling relationship like it because you just know this other person so well. Yeah. Um, so I can I can like read her really well. Um, and yeah, I'm we just we we are we know kind of what each other is thinking and um yeah it's it's a it's, it's really interesting it's really a, because it, it kind of is a clone in a way yeah it's really weird it's the same <laughs> genetic it's a bizarre thing and it's our voices are actually really identical it was funny when i when you were saying how comfortable are you hearing your own oh, voice like, when you put the headphones on i'm like i hear my own she? voice all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and our laugh is really similar mm-hmm. um and like my, my twin sister she used to always make fun of my laugh and be like, oh, your laugh sounds so stupid. And then eventually realized like her sounded exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> is, so, is she creative? She is a software engineer. Um, That's creative. Yeah. And weirdly, our, our I think our brains do work very similarly, but we just like went in different directions. Yeah. Um, yeah, but... And then my older sister is a neuroscientist, so very... Very nerdy There's siblings. A lot of sort of pathway stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we can tie that into your work, I'm sure. I'm sure we can. <laughs> um, well, so so growing up, the creativity was sort of, you know, um, thought of as a good thing by the parents. And, yes. was, and you were always into art and stuff. Did yeah. you have a good like high school art teacher? Or what was the environment that led you to, you know, in, at least in the back, because you didn't go to art school. Right. But 
you know, it was there. Yeah. So I did not go to art school. My, my high school had a good art program and I had like a really supportive high school art teacher named Mrs. Diamond. What part, what, what part of uh, Maryland? Is uh, Bethesda. So it's okay. like right outside DC and there are a lot of, um, like government yeah. scientists, people, the NIH is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so wait, is NIH National Institute of Humanities of Health? Health, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So my dad, my dad is an architect, and he designs laboratories. So he's he did a lot of work for NIH and CDC, and so that was kind of like why we also ended up there. Yeah. Um. And uh. So um. Yeah. So my high school had a good art program, and I had a really supportive high school art teacher. Um. And my parents like let me use our basement as a studio. So I like that's cool. Yeah. Um, although I was using oil paint and like turpentine in an unventilated basement. Remember so those like, days? Probably not great. Like real turpentine. <laughs> yeah. Like this it is good to use. <laughs> probably smelled. I have a terrible sense of smell also. So I'm sure I had no idea like how toxic it was. Um, but yeah. So I, I was really into painting and. Um, and I did like the, I did like a pre-college program at Micah. Nice. Um, and you had all those museums so close. Yeah. Did you do the mile all the time and go check out all the museums? We went to museums a lot. Um, and, and, uh, and just like in my family, there's a lot of like art, artsy people. Like, yeah. um, my great uncle was an artist and my grandmother likes to paint and, um, and my dad's an architect. So there was like definitely, and my mom grew up in New York. So there was like an understanding of, of, um, why art is good. <laughs> yeah. Was, would, did she move? Like, how did she end up in DC? Like meeting your father or was it for school or? No. <laughs> so my mom, I'm just getting a feeling that there's a really interesting family line here. Yes. Okay. (laughs) How to explain this? So my mom was in college and she took some time off and she was traveling. I'm totally going to butcher this story. She grew up in New York though. Yes. In Greenwich village. Oh wow. Yeah. So like, like in the, in the, right in the middle of where all the stuff was happening. And what years are we talking roughly? I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, she, she was born in 1950. So she was there until she was in college. Mid 60s, 70s. Yeah. So like we're talking. It was like legit. Jazz scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah that's, yeah. that's a good time. Yeah. So and her uncle. So my great uncle was an artist. He was like a sculptor and an illustrator. And her dad. Based here? Sorry? Based here. Yeah. In New yeah. York. Um, he was like a real artist. Like lived in tiny apartment his whole life made no money but just was like so into his work and supported himself doing illustrations for books um that's pretty cool to have in your family line yeah totally and his sculptures are like pretty awesome um and my mom's dad was an actor and um and would collaborate with that uncle on children's books um did they all come from like where are they from sort of are they like second third generation or yeah something? so polish russians mm-hmm. second third generation um yeah just and came to new york yeah my grandmother was a teacher right. um so yeah just like 
living in New York and figuring it out. Um, and so, yeah, so my mom, my mom went to Vassar and then it was like set early seventies, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, took some time off and went to go travel. And when she was traveling, (laughs) this is like a very strange story. She, I think she was in Yugoslavia Mm -hmm. and was in like a women's bathroom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I knew there was something yes. good here. <laughs> and my grandmother was in that, my um, my grandmother on my dad's side was using that bathroom mm-hmm. and met my mother in the bathroom and was like, oh, like, you, you should, should come meet my son. son. <laughs> and my, this was, my dad is a little younger. He was like four years younger. Mm-hmm. And he was finishing high school there. In Yugoslavia. Maybe it was in Serbia, actually. That's okay. <laughs> one, one, of, one of the two. Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe, yeah, because my grandfather um, was an optical physicist, and mm-hmm. so he was doing something over there. Don't remember specifically. Right. Um, and he, yeah, so he was finishing high school there, and um, and my grandmother was like, you should come meet my son. And then they started hanging out, and have been together ever since. That's a nice story. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a funny parental matchmaking from a public restroom. <laughs> yeah, all the way over. Like So it's a very weird story. The triangulation of all those locations yeah. to bring you to be. Yeah, like exactly. Really interesting. Bizarre. It's a very weird story. <laughs> um, but so then my dad, they all came back to the U.S. and my dad went to college and my mom transferred to be to be closer to him and mm-hmm. yeah so Bethesda yes and that's where you went to high school and then so when it was time for college what are you thinking just I just was, go to school like liberal arts or yeah so I was I I was very burnt out by the end of high school and I think I didn't I wasn't totally I wanted to be an artist but also like thought being an artist was like a ridiculous thing that was impossible yeah so I was like all right it doesn't make sense to go to art school because like probably can't be an artist so I should probably go to a college where I can like get some other skills employable (laughs) skills yeah and like (laughs) learn other stuff also um so and my older sister also went to Vassar and I had visited her in college a lot so there was like a comfort level there so I applied to Vassar early decision and got in and was like great I don't have to think about this anymore um and yeah I I thought about going to art school but it just I wasn't it was like I wasn't sure it was I just wasn't sure it was the right decision and you're kind of putting all your I mean I never went to art school yeah I feel like you're putting all your eggs in one basket yeah if you go to art school where did you go to college I went to Penn State for okay. undergrad and then I went to Yale for graduate school so okay. everything's university like yeah it always appealed to me that there was other stuff going on yeah totally but I started in pre-med oh well at Pittsburgh that's that's and it was serious. like <laughs> a room full of kids who were you know like they spent their summers studying yeah like biology the yeah. whole summer and I got in there and I was like I don't know if I'm that <laughs> yeah. into this I don't know how much I like this yeah this is gonna be real tough if I'm not totally committed right yeah. Yeah. So I, I just got out of Pittsburgh and went to Penn State. Okay. But it was the idea of that I could take classes in a lot of different stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I just caught the bug when I was there. Right. But I mean, so at Vassar, were you taking art courses? And- yeah. So one, one thing I liked about Vassar was they don't have like a core 
Um, like a lot of schools, you have to take a bunch of science and math. And at Vassar, you don't have to. You can do whatever you want. And so I was like, great. I can go to a liberal, liberal arts college, but then kind of like make it into an art school if yeah, I want yeah. to. Um, so, yeah, I took a lot of art classes and avoided science and math at all costs. <laughs> um, which is not what your sisters did. Which no, is not at all. Yeah, they both. They both loved science and they would intern. They both, I think they both interned at the NIH when we were in high school and were like doing stuff in laboratories and I don't know, not for me. Um, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, so I took a lot of art classes at Vassar. Um, and yeah, it was just, I knew from the first day I got there, I would be a studio art major. So I think I, was just in denial. Like I probably could have happily gone to art school and that maybe would have been a better decision, but I somehow rationalized myself into, into going to a liberal, liberal arts college and then, uh, turning it into an art school. Right. But you were able to take, I mean, it sounds like you got an art school experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you took some other classes too. I, I took some other classes, was not super interested in them. I know there's so many, so many people who go to the non-art school because, you know, they're afraid to just commit. To yeah. Like, I just, then they end up getting really into art and they're like, oh, these, all these like requirements know, that I have to I'm take like, are such a pain in my butt. I feel like it. Yeah. But like down the line, it's good. I, li- I liked, I actually liked anthrop- the anthropology classes I took a lot. Um, and I mean, I think, I think I'm, I'm glad I think that I went to that school. Um. And I think it's good to be around people with other interests and doing other things. Um, I probably could have benefited from taking some time off after high school to like figure myself out and be ready to study again. I think um, everyone, I, I think college is almost wasted in a way that yeah, you have to jump in right away. I think that that is definitely true. But then if you wait till you're 40 to start going to college, it's a little odd. Right. And then I went to grad school, like I took one year off between high school and grad school, which also not like by the time I went to grad school, that was like the right age to start college. Probably I was like ready to like really absorb things at that time. So, yeah, I was I think I I definitely if I'd started college a little later would have gotten more out of college. But well, at least I mean, grad school is kind of that, though. That's the time to really you yeah. know, stop uh, kind of moving around a little bit and kind of focus and yes. really dig in. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, quick question before yes. we go past college. Growing up in the D.C. area, I mean, was you, were you really into music? Because there's a good... There's a really good music scene, scene there. I was not... You were... You I'm didn't. so... I'm going to really disappoint you but yeah no I was, no we can we can keep, <laughs> this, keep this on the visual I, side. I know I sadly I was not super into music um but there's definitely a big scene there for sure yeah yeah now okay so you you weren't a huge music person right I wasn't I now here's my question yes. because I feel like this is the case sometimes when you were growing up in the house was there a lot of music being played yes but it was like I think it was my mom likes music from like the fifties and sixties. And then my dad would listen to like classic rock. So it just didn't like take. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually, I played drums in high school. Oh really? Um, 
and a lot of my friends were really into it. But again, it was like I liked playing the drums, but it just the I didn't have like the same like natural. I didn't gravitate to it in the same way. Like it it does it. I had to practice a lot and work yeah. at it. It didn't come naturally. <laughs> it wasn't fluid. No, it was not. Yeah. Okay. Well, back to college. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then, and then how did you choose your grad school experience? Like, what was the thoughts moving into grad school? What were the thoughts? Um, so you I, took a year off. Yeah, so my junior year of college, I did a residency, an art residency. Um, and even at th- before I did this residency, I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, I don't think, I don't think people become artists. Like, I just still didn't think that that was a real thing that you could do. Um, and then I did this residency and all the kids there were from art school and they all had this like confidence that was like, I'm an artist. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this forever. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe this is, this is something that people do. I know. Isn't that crazy? You're like, Oh, you're going to commit to that. Oh, like this this is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, after that I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I, I really want to do this and figure out how to make this possible. Um, what was the residency? I think I know, but it was the, the Norfolk Norfolk, program. Yeah. That's a great place to go because you're getting some real deal people there. Yeah. It was really intense. What year was this? 2007. 2007. Um, it was really intense and I think I was the only person who wasn't from an art school and I was like felt very insecure and like just I felt like all these other people were so much better and more experienced and knew what they were doing and I was just I was like why am I here why did they let me in <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it was like a, and the I I had I had never at Vassar we had crits mm-hmm. and um, and we talked about work, but I never really had like any harsh, super harsh criticism. Oh man, this is deep end of the pool. Who were the critics there? Uh, who did we have? Um, Carol Dunham <laughs> traumatized me. Tip. Yeah, I had a brutal crit with him. And then who else? Um, it was that bad? Oh, yeah. What he, was your work like at that time? <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to. No, no, it's really funny, actually. I'm past trauma. No, no, no. It's I retell this story all the time, um, but it my I was painting. I was like painting landscapes from life. Mm-hmm. Um, plein air, plein air, yeah, and uh, and still lives from life. Like it was all plein air painting, um, and I had a he. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you this story. So, it's just us. There's yeah, no it's one, just no us. one listens. Right, to right, this. right. Uh, so, <laughs> my friends from Norfolk are gonna think this is funny. Um, but so he, the faculty at Norfolk were all like, they, they, they were all like, make sure that you do a crit with him. And I didn't know why. Now, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, they wanted him to like, oh, just have lay, it. like, yeah, ha- yeah. like either like turn me into an artist or like make me quit like one or the other um and so he he came in and he looked at the paintings I was making and he was just like you know for some people painting should really just be a hobby (laughs) and I was like oh and I was really like devastated by that um 
I hope that when he said, because I, I tell the story all the time. Yeah. I had a visiting artist who came in and was like, this isn't for everyone. Yeah. You know, and I was like, what? You know, like it crushed me. But then I was like, you know what? Screw that guy. I'm going to, I'm doing this. Yeah. But I feel like, I hope that when someone like him comes in and says that to someone, that they're thinking, okay, this is a test. I'm really going to test their. That, that's the hope. I yeah. don't know. I don't Not know. Not just being. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him since, so I don't know what his particular motivation was. I think yeah. he's notorious for for being tough on people. But, um, but yeah, for me. Have you me, seen his last show? Uh, I have I seen his last show. I'm not sure I saw his last show, but I've seen I've seen many of his shows. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, but yeah, he I had like a really hilarious reaction, like very angsty, mm-hmm. emotional reaction to it. I like, you know, I went for a really long run, and then I came back, and I was using oil paint at the time, so the paintings I was all mm-hmm. I was working on were still wet. And I like, I went up to my friend Kate, who was there, who's like still one of my best friends. And I was like, do you have some like paper I can cut up? And she was like, sure. So she gave me like contact paper. So I like cut out letters that spelled like Tip Dunham is a fucker. And I like (laughs) stuck them on the wet painting. And Uh. it was made like this like ridiculous angsty painting. And then all the the faculty at Norfolk were like, this is the best thing you've ever made. Just so real like, emotion. I was like, it. fuck you guys, this is terrible. <laughs> um, but I still have the painting, actually. Like, oh, really? Yeah, nice. I still have it, and I, like, I think it's hilarious. And I've to- I like think I told this story in my like grad school interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not one that was like, while it was traumatizing at the time, like in retrospect, it's like kind of funny, but also... Motivating. Horrifying, motivating, but not in the best. I would never want to say that he was like. I would never want to say like, oh yeah, that that's like was a motivator necessarily, but it definitely made me look at what I was doing and think about like, um, why, why would why would someone have this reaction like that? Like, right. you know, I was painting on like pre-made canvases and like. I get it. I get where that came from. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like someone crashing a, their car into your car while it's parked and you come down and you're like, all right, I guess from now on I better watch where I'm going to park my car. It's like, yeah. Yeah. That taught me something, I guess. But I, I could have done without it. Yeah. But I, I did. I think I, I think even though I had like a really intense, like angsty, emotional reaction, I did take things away from it and from also... And about just like uh, criticism in general, you know, like I think after that I had I had taken when I had been criticized or been in critiques in that program up until that point and professors had said things. I was like, oh, this is I take this as fact like this is the way that it is. I, I was really hard on myself. And then after that, I was like, maybe I don't care what every one says like I'll listen to it but maybe 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 not everyone's right maybe you know isn't that a great moment it when is. you realize like oh wait oh my god it was wonderful and I think especially as like a, a good student I had always taken what my teacher said really seriously and wanted to please them been right. really eager to please so this was like a moment when I was like oh I don't not nah, I I don't know if I care about making them 
these people happy anymore. Or you so can't I think, make all the people happy all yeah, the time sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, so I think it was it was definitely like a big learning moment. Um, and then after that, I was like, you can like criticize me. I can like totally handle it now. Yeah. <laughs> Just took that one. Yeah, like that was like about, that was like pretty much worst case scenario, so. <laughs> I guess that's why everyone's like, you got to have this guy in your studio. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I don't know how they. I mean, they knew it wasn't going to go well. <laughs> it's like a train wreck. Uh, let's yeah. just put these two things. They're together like, we need to shake this person up, so <laughs> we're going to send this guy in to. Was there anyone else there that that you? Honestly, it was not so much. I I I had a really hard time in that program. Um, I didn't. I, I connected a lot with a lot of the people there. Like some of my best friends are people that I met there. Yeah. Um, well, that's the best part, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause it's like, you spend six weeks with this kid, like or the, with these kids, your junior year of college yeah. and I'm still closer with them than I am with a lot of people I went to college with. So, so that was great. And also just because I went to, um, to Vassar, there weren't that many other art students there. So yeah. it was my first time, like getting to spend a lot of time with other artists. And then I kind of had this like community of artists. So that was nice. So I was like, Oh, I get, I get why this is helpful. Also like my friends helped me like get through that brutal crit, which was nice. Um, so, so then you (laughs) felt like, okay, what was the, how did that shape the grad school idea? So everyone there was like, Oh, we're, we're applying to grad school for sure. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess I should go to grad school. Um, and then I talked to other people about it and they, they thought that that was probably a good idea if I wanted to be an artist because I don't know, there's still, I, I had a lot to learn still after, um, college just about, yeah, like how to make work and how to think about my work. Um, I can't believe I got into grad school with the work I was making. Um, but yeah, so I, I knew, I knew coming out of Vassar that I, I wanted to apply to grad school and I, I still had that like overachiever mentality. So I was like, I need to go right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like moved to New York and, um, got a studio and made some new work and then applied to grad school. So and how was that experience? grad school mm-hmm. or um it was great I I went to RISD um and that was like the full art school experience which I think I really benefited from um it was like you know everyone is such a good artist there including the undergrads and everyone's doing different things there's so many different programs and I don't know. It was great. I loved it. Um, I mean, there were things about it that I didn't love, of course, but yeah, it was like overall, I, I think I grew a lot during that period yeah. um, and figured some stuff out. So how did your work change from at Norfolk in those days of like the still lives and plein airs to like when you're graduating from grad school? Yeah, I think in that phase, like when I was younger, I, all my teachers had been like old school painting teachers who'd been like paint from life, not from photos, never use black. Like there were all these rules that had been set up for how to make a good painting. And so I was like, "Mm, 
this whole t- that whole time kind of learning that those were not the rules necessarily. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think at RISD, uh, that was like the first time where I started. I like made some collages that I painted from. I don't know. It's like I was definitely I was young when I went. I was like 23 or something. So a lot of times now I see kids who are or adults who are in grad school and I'm like, you are on such a different level than right. I was at when I went. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, it was like a lot of, even though I think it was very gradual steps, I was kind of like learning how to figure out what I wanted to make and, um, and yeah, figuring out what I wanted from the paintings and just kind of like slowly trying things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did that, I mean, I guess it's a big leap, but how did that just kind of progress into what you're doing now, which is this kind of, how do, how do we describe it? Yeah. So, uh, it's interesting actually. Um, I, so in the beginning of RISD, I was still painting landscapes and, um, they were from collages or photographs I was taking. And then I started kind of like cropping in on those images and, I at some point started to realize I was more interested in the ab, like kind of weird abstract moments within these paintings that I was making. Um, so I started making like a close up of like siding or a chimney or I at the end of RISD I made these like huge paintings of rooftops that were like these like gridded abstractions but they felt spatial so zoom in of yeah representational space yeah so that was kind of like I think RISD was sort of my like entry into figuring out how to handle abstract painting um because before then I was like I have no idea how to enter that (laughs) like I don't know where where that comes from and then through that like my I think my paintings are are my painting process is sort of like one painting to the next, to the next, to the next. So there's like, is this connection, I think, between all of the work. Like a linear progression. Yes. And, and I th- think that annoyed my professors in grad school because they were like, wanted these big changes and evolutions. And I was like, well, I have to just like get there when I get there and figure yeah. it out as I go. Um, well, so that's, it's, it's a very kind of like honest way to get somewhere, you know? Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> Slowly moving through instead of like, you know what, today I'm going to make abstract paintings. Yeah, so I, it definitely took a long, long, slow time to like figure out how to how to make the things that I felt were kind of what I where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be making and where where the conversations were the conversations I intended to have. Yeah. Like I remember at RISD, everyone was always like talking about suburbia and I was like, I don't think I'm think I want to make paintings about suburbia I don't think that's what I'm going for here um so yeah so it's been like a um a gradual process but yeah so I think I was making these roof paintings and I made these paintings of like chimneys and croppings of like buildings face the facades of buildings Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of like a, 
the entry into like the work that I'm making now probably that has like this spatial architectural thing or connecting to the landscape in some way. Yeah, but it's so kind of like it's deep, but kind of shallow deep. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of movement in the light that you're playing with and a lot of them are is, is a big part of it too, I think. Yeah, I think um, it's funny because now I almost never work from references, mm-hmm. but I'm always, I think after like painting from life for so long, like thinking about kind of naturalistic lighting and um, the mood that different lighting situations creates. And so that is still part of it. And like, I loved like Fairfield Porter and painters like that. Um, But then trying to figure out how to like bring that into making an abstract painting that is spatial and connects with these, this sense of space that you might have in the real world. But then it's also sort of like this weird unknown thing too. Yeah. It kind of, it can float in between. I love that idea of taking like memories of, of planet or like (laughs) translating paint, you know, in in the moment, looking at something and the things you learn from that, because you learn very specific things about like light and color and temperature and all that stuff. And then sort of transmuting that later on into abstraction and, but still holding on to those they're not tricks, but those little like fun things that happen like yeah. in real life that you can bring. And, to the and I, I like love painting that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think th- like I, I, I don't think I could make a painting and not, not think about that stuff. Have those, see, you figured it out because I feel like sometimes <laughs> I'll make a big old painting for that one moment yeah. that your painting is like, yeah. that's what the painting is, you know, yeah. and I'm doing all this crap. All this and it's, it's about this one little light in the window or yeah. something, you know, yeah. but I guess they both have their draw. You know yeah, I mean? totally. I mean, I think, um, I think it's just how my brain works where I'm like, get really focused. I mean, I, I get really focused in on certain things and then I yeah. want to try making it in a few different ways and, I don't know. And I think, I think, um, I think I can be interested in something for a long time and want to kind of, I'm, I'm comfortable like going down the rabbit hole, I guess. And, and then, and then evaluating and being like, okay, I think it's time to do something else. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can see it from the concentration that a lot of your work seems to have on, zooming in on this thing that's repeating and yeah there's a lot of movement to him too is that something that you're really conscious of in the moment of of figuring out the image or yeah I I think a lot about um I think a lot about color and the way that color is going to kind of like make your eye move around especially it's like some of the paintings have a lot of patterning or the the palette is really limited but within that there's there will still be a lot of variabilities so that it's like, how can I make this painting that is like really simple and might someone might think about and be like, Oh, that's going to be like a really boring painting, but then it's still interesting. (laughs) Um, Like I remember in grad school, I made a painting. I was like, I told my advisor, I was like, I'm going to make like a nine foot painting of like this fence 
and he and he was like okay and then he came back later and I had made it and it was like actually kind of an interesting painting because there was like there's just a lot of different more stuff happening than maybe you would have thought and he was like oh I really thought this was gonna be bad and boring but it's not so bad thanks (laughs) yeah so I was like yeah I feel like there's something to that that I'm curious about (laughs) like this idea of minimalism like how do you how do you how do I because I look at it and I'm I'm like oh there's all this stuff in it that I I want to paint and I think it's interesting. And I have that with friends too. They'll show me the references that they make their paintings from and I'm like, I have no idea how you were like, oh yes, I, I want to make a painting dealing with this right. or like depicting this. That's just not, I could never make an interesting painting from that. So I guess we all kind of are like deep in our own, in our own zone of yeah curiosity. But Yeah, and it, it feels like, you know, that idea of minimalism in the sense of extracting out a lot of other is um, reflected in that kind of zoom in of like a micro becoming macro, you know, to where you're, you're so engaged in this close up of whatever it is, or this, you know, extracting out the ephemera and getting right to it, that it becomes this bigger thing in the long run. Yeah. You know, totally. Um, and I, I think a lot of times, in my paintings also this the scale is usually surprising for people like a lot of the paintings are huge and between different things it'll be a cropping in of one thing and then looking at a different thing that looks similar and you're like as you move from one painting to another you're not kind of sure what you're looking at or how you're situated and so I think there's like a between paintings sometimes there's like a spatial thing that happens yeah um but yeah i it's something i i play around with a lot it can be a really effective thing when you mess with people's assumption of what an image is you know what it is and the scale of that thing and then when it's huge and blown up but zoomed in it's like wait what yeah and the perspective of it or the shadows that are going on yeah it's i mean really... i know we're loosely talking about your work in that <laughs> sense but you know people aren't looking at a specific painting right now so i i think that's kind of you know those were thoughts that were running through my head and looking at your work yeah that's that's stuff i think about um and yeah i think making a painting that feels that's that's based on these things from the real world but then feels really foreign and also is like a interesting painting in its own right it doesn't have to it doesn't have to necessarily be identifiable as something I mean I guess that's like my way of figuring out how to make an abstract painting but um but yeah that that's kind of like my entry into it is here's this Situation, or I'll be walking around and I'll see something that's, I'll make a little note of it or make a little drawing or think about it later. And then when I'm in the studio, how do I make, how do I actually like make an interesting painting out of this thing? Um, But yeah, that's, that's a funny thing that happens a lot for me also, because I think now people are so used to looking at images online or on your phone and they're tiny and so especially like with large work, you just can't, 
get a sense of it that way. And so a lot of times when I have studio visits, people are just like totally confused because it's very unexpected. Um, And the paintings are a lot like more painterly and a lot looser. Um, So they're just, I think, translate differently online than they do in person, which hopefully is a nice thing. Yeah. It's (laughs) Um, funny how that, that happens. Like people will think, you know, like in my work, people think it's super flat. Like there's no brushwork of any kind, but you can't see that stuff when you're looking at a two inch square image. Yeah. So that's why you have to see paintings in person. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that, that always kind of cracks me up actually. Just like the shock of like, Oh, this is totally not. And I'm not good about, I have not figured out yet how to like document a painting in such a way that the scale is communicated. That is an ongoing struggle. So I think, yeah, it's, I'll like try to put like a chair in the photo to like give some context. Put your hand up. Yeah, it's like, this is a hand. I think unless there's like a figure in the painting, it can be really hard to process. Yeah, definitely. But yes, scale is definitely important in the way that you, the way that you relate to the space and that um like some of the paintings are like the roof paintings were really vertical so they were nine feet vertical Mm -hmm. vertically and um you can't really understand how weird that feels unless you're kind of physically there um well thank goodness for that because in in today's world where everything's mediated (laughs) you know to have an experience where you go and you feel you know like in awe of a scale of something or at least like oh i didn't this is different than I expected, you know? Yeah. Or it's where like this, why, why we do it. Yeah. Where the space feels different in person. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's, that's always kind of a funny, a funny thing. What, um, what music does your painting sound like? Uh, or do you listen to music? What music in the do you think it sounds like? I have ideas, but I was just curious as to what you thought. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I do not. I actually usually listen to, I listen to music when I'm driving, but I usually listen to um, like podcasts in the studio because I can't, I just can't listen to like 10, 10 hours of music in a row. Like it just yeah. makes me start to go insane. Um, so I need like, I need like stories or like information. I don't know. I need that like kind of gets me through the day a little bit better. Um I'll or share like a, NPR. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's well, nice to, I would imagine too, you know, you, that you can listen to stuff like that and process that and make your painting. It's not, you know, because some of the stuff that you're doing, it's not repetitive, but there is sort of a patterning to it or, you know, yeah. a rhythm to it. Yeah. So you can kind of get in that rhythm and be listening to some narrative. Totally. Of I, it's like, I, I really have to kind of get in the zone because otherwise a lot of them are like pretty like labor intensive. Yeah. A lot of the paintings. Um, and so I have to like really get in the zone and right. be able to sit there for eight hours and <laughs> focus. And I think, yeah, for me listening to a podcast or NPR helps me like get that level of focus a little bit better. But wait, I want to hear what music you think. <laughs> I'll share a playlist with you. Okay. <laughs> I was looking at some of the work this morning and I thought of four, I was listening to Fortet and it kind of went together. Well. Okay. Interesting. But I'll, I'll, I'll share a playlist. Okay. That sounds um, good. Yeah. Cause it's so specific, right? Like the, some people just see certain 
Yeah. Like music happens when you cease, or maybe that's just me. I don't know that I, I've always like associate music with imagery. That's interesting. I don't know if I do that. I don't think I do. <laughs> Someone told me that they think that's a form of synesthesia or something. Oh, that could be. Like a reverse form or something? I, I wish know. I had synesthesia. Well, I don't have it, so maybe maybe if you have it, you wish Maybe it's not so great. Yeah, but it, it sounds cool. <laughs> it does, but I've, I've, knowing people who have it, sometimes it, it seems as though it's hard to escape. You yeah, know, like it's a little I can, overwhelming I can understand at times. that, yeah. But, um, yeah, my need for coffee is overwhelming at times. Yeah. <laughs> So it's that. physically exhausting those kind of like labor intensive paintings. I mean, do you is that your gym basically or are you yeah, an active person yeah, or Yeah, it's funny actually. I like sometimes my arm will get like so tired and I'm like climbing up and down a ladder. Um so yeah, I was I like it's funny. I get home and I don't want to cook and I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I like I just want to like sit on a couch Child. and like relax. Um so I like try to run. I used to be super into running and now I'm like in my thirties and I'm like, all right, I should, this is not the time to like give up running. Um, so I'm still, I'm still trying to do it sometimes, but yeah, for the most part, I'm like just and, standing all day is enough. Yeah. And enough outdoor running. Was that what you were into or, or yeah, like I, gym running? back in the day, outdoor running, but now gym running. Cause I can't running in New York. It's like too hard. It's I don't understand too it. Too intense. Like how people do it. Yeah. It's the pa- running on pavement is really hard. And, and the, the, Oh, the Brook, the, the Bronx or the Brooklyn or whatever, you know, yeah, that scent like, of- yeah, it's funny actually. Like I, I used to, I used to run over the Manhattan bridge and the Brooklyn bridge and I would get back and blow my nose and like, it would be yeah, like dusty. black with soot and Ugh. pollution. So I can't, I don't think it's good for you actually. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, <laughs> just go running on the BQE. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, probably running in a gym isn't great for you either. I imagine, but somehow it's probably better than I know, I'm total, totally a gym person. Yeah. But yeah. my friend Rudy is like an ultra runner and he oh, runs really? all the time. All the, I mean, it's, it, yeah, outdoors, and I, I just can't do it. Like in cold weather. Oh no, I'm not. Like, into there's that no anymore. way I'm not bringing no, those elements. Running now needs to be like really comfortable for me. <laughs> Otherwise, I won't do it. Like if it's uh, if it's like 70 degrees and a beautiful day, I'll run outside. Right. But if it's like rainy and 40 degrees, there's no way I will run outside. I totally anymore. agree. I'm, I'm bringing the outdoor eating sort of vibe <laughs> to like exercise. It's like, yeah. You know how you see some people in the city eating an outdoor sidewalk cafes oh, no. and it's like the crappiest road no. and just yeah, like on the Bowery that. or something and yeah. they're out eating. I'm like, what is the outdoor kind of vibe you're going for here <laughs> besides exhaust? Yeah, not for me. Um, yeah, and also like People, I don't know what time you exercise, but when I see people running out in the winter at like six o'clock in the morning, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't do that. It's not, it's not my thing. I can, I can go to the gym early. Oh, really? I can't even do that. I'm like, weirdly, even though my brain works better in the morning, like physically, I can't do anything. I'm like 7 p.m. Oh, I really can't. relaxed run. That's kind of where I okay. am at this point in my life. No, I use it almost as like a, a like a you know a wake up call. Oh. I like to go first thing. And that's that's get the blood. I moving. respect that. And then I feel like the rest of the day I feel like more energized and better. Oh, 
Whereas if I do it late at night, I I just stay up late. Oh, no, I'm the opposite. If I do it at night, then I immediately go to sleep. That's good. That's that's the ideal thing. Yeah. Empty the tank. Yeah, exactly. Wake up feeling good the next day. Right. But it sounds like you were like that all the way from back in high school. Yeah. Sleep early, wake up early. Yeah. Is that your studio schedule? It is. I my my partner is not an artist, so he's on like a normal Ugh, normal human schedule. No, but it's great actually because I just like am on his, so I just get on his schedule, mm-hmm. um, and I stay I stay at the studio a little later. Um, but I actually like that a lot because it helps. I like having a routine, yeah. <laughs> and a schedule, and so I feel like he kind of helps me maintain that on some level that's good yeah so it works nicely nice um and yeah so i usually i like get up early and like try to do email in the morning when my brain works and then um and then get a studio like 10 do you turn tech off when you get to the studio or do you leave it on i leave it on but i I'll like a lot of times during the day when I'm in the studio, I'll like see an email, but I'm like probably not going to answer. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, or if it's yeah, like if it's urgent, I will. Or if I'm like eating, I will. But I I don't know. It's hard for me to uh, it's hard for me to do that when I'm in trying to work. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so hard nowadays. I know. I actually I can't imagine like being in school. Yeah. Like my students who have like a phone, a laptop, I know. everything right there, like videos playing. It's a lot. Like how can you I focus on I anything? I don't know. Yeah. I, I actually don't really, like I don't look at Instagram during the day really. That's like at bedtime. A lot of times I look at it then. Yeah. Um, so I'm, it's not even like a, it's not even like a self-control thing. It's more just like. I kind of have like an aversion to it at this point. Like I feel like overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And so I can't, I, I like can't handle it in the studio. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Like I feel that way about email too. I'm just like, oh, I can't, just can't deal with it. Like, well, imagine if you were in your studio, right? Over the course of the day and every two to three minutes, someone knocked on your door and came in and was like, hey, check out my painting and like lifted it up and then left. And oh then someone God. else came in and was like, hey, look what I did. Yeah. And that kept going on. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, a lot. it's a overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. Um, yeah, so I love looking at it and seeing what people are working on, but I just like, can't, I can't deal with it during the day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Being, being young now would be really intense. It's gotta be hard. Yeah. I'm so, so glad we didn't have all that stuff. Yeah. I didn't even have a cell phone until college, which is crazy. (laughs) I know. I didn't have internet until grad school. Really? I know I'm that old. Wow. That's pretty good. (laughs) And it was, it was slow. Like yeah. it was kind of like not, remember when the internet, well, the internet used to not be effective at all. No. Like it was like dot matrix. Like yeah. it, it took like 10 <laughs> minutes to load a page. Yeah. And that wasn't really the internet. Like it didn't, when it got awesome was like when I was here working for a couple of years, you know, for a few years and then you could start to download music for free. Yeah. Like that, the I Napster think, days. I feel like that was when I was in college. I mean, that was like a free for all. All of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, it's going to get this good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I can't even imagine like people, like little kids who have social media and oh my God, 
but let's not talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's so stressful for them and so intense. And also I'm sure as yeah. a parent it's intense. <laughs> I don't think it's funny because Or they're just used to it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, here's what I'll say about it. I don't think they process what it does. Yeah. I think if you live without it and then you see it, you're like, oh, this probably puts a lot of social pressure on you because you're always under the microscope of, but then they just kind of like use it in a way that's totally different than us. They're just like once, that's why like when you see like kids using it, they plop something on there once every two weeks or something and then they leave it alone and then they're just looking at memes or whatever. Yeah. I I think, think, I think the thought of, like as a kid having to be like how do I want to present myself to the world like that seems overwhelming I like even now yeah that I just can't deal with it <laughs> I know so I don't know like uh yeah maybe but maybe they don't think about it maybe that's the difference is it's much more intuitive so or they just don't care how I, they're perceived or something I don't know I think everyone just you know acclimate you just acclimate to everything yeah you know transitions are probably trickier because they come faster than they used to yeah like remember you know when video games would take forever to progress Mm -hmm. now it's like every other day there's an update or something so you (laughs) but i think you just get used to that you get used to the stimulus yeah i mean having kids growing up in the city uh you know you see them just process all that stimulus it doesn't phase them you know, right. there could be like fire engines going off and like oh all this craziness going on. And they're like, you know, they don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. You just become kind of used to it, I think. Just like a kid growing up in the woods who's always out there, sees a deer or something. And you're like, well, whatever. If you saw a bear walking down like Broadway in Soho, you'd have people <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You just get used to that stuff. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. It's like what's normal. You get used to things. Right. Like um, going into a studio and making art every day. Right. That's not normal. That's not normal. We've gotten used to it. <laughs> <laughs> like being alone all day and not interacting with people. Um, yeah, that's pretty a pretty weird thing. Definitely. But, yeah. Well, what are you working on now? Do you have anything coming up? Or are you just I'm just doing the work? I'm just doing the work. Right now I'm 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 kind of in one of those phases of trying to work through where where I want things to go next and mm-hmm. so I'm making a lot of I'm making a lot of work on paper right now and trying things out um and just yeah just trying to not rush into not feel external pressure to like make things a certain way or have something done at a certain time yeah <laughs> um I think I'm gonna do like a there's a, a, like a site-specific painting for a little group show in a, an apartment gallery in Brooklyn, but that's still figuring it out. But yeah. so that'll be fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's just deep, deep in the deep in the studio right now. In the South Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming over. Thank you so much. It was, it was so great, fun. Great to meet you and talk to you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can donate and support the podcast there. You can also check out more images from the podcasts at Sound and Vision Podcast on Instagram. You can find out more about my work at brianalfred.net or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. 
Many thanks to Michael Lovett for the intro and Lullatone for the intro and outro music. And many thanks to all the listeners. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps out. Thank you.